Hey, thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We are MVF Church based out of Heber City, Utah. If you'd like to check out the live recording of this teaching, you can find that at mvfchurch.com. We're glad that you've joined us today, so let's get into the teaching. Hey, I am so glad to be here. Um, uh, as uh, Miss Ashley said, I've got a long history here. I know some of you, some of you I don't know, because this church has grown a ton um, since I've been gone. So I am so excited to be here. For those I don't know, I wanted to give you an in- introduction to my family. Um, they would be here with me, except I had to come up yesterday afternoon because they were closing the canyon, and I'm coming from Orem. And so this is my uh, lovely wife, Kristen, and my daughter, Cassidy. Um, Like I said, they would be here in person, but they couldn't be. And so uh, we're excited to be here. I was spent many years here and was essentially discipled by Pastor Shane. Um, The reason I'm in ministry today is because of Pastor Shane. And so to watch the church go from a bed and breakfast up on the hill to um, this is pretty, pretty exciting, okay? So I'm excited to be here. Hey, before we jump into our message, when I got here this morning, there were a ton of people moving snow by hand with machines, trying to make sure that we could have church today. Can we give a giant round of applause for them? Like one of them right there. So... There was a lot of snow this morning, and it took a lot of people to get it out of the way, and a weaker church would have canceled, <laughs> but you didn't. So, all right, how many of you have ever seen this show um, called Let's Make a Deal? Old show. I think they kept it for decades. I think they actually officially got rid of it, like they canceled it like, just a few years ago. But if you're not familiar with the show, you're familiar with the concept. It's a game show like every other game show. But the final contestant at the end would have this choice where they would have three doors. And behind those three doors is a prize or a not prize. Now, in more modern years, behind every door had something good behind it. But it was the difference of like a car or a toaster, right? But when the show first started, it was actually like one door had a car, like a brand new car. And the other two doors had goats. And not like the greatest of all time. I mean, like goats. And so you didn't want to go. And the contestant would, would be chose, you would choose a door. And then the, the host would then go open one of the goat doors. So there's two other doors and they would open a goat door and go, okay, now it's 50, 50. Do you want to stick with your vote? And if you've ever watched those kind of shows, whether it's that one, or, you know, the briefcase one where it's like, does it have $5 or a million dollars? Right. Um, You don't know what, it's all luck of the draw. It's a chance. You don't know what you're going to get. You just know that whatever is behind that door has the possibility of radically changing my life. I mean, if you are a single mom and behind one of those doors is a brand new car, that could could change. That's a big thing. That's something you write home about, right? Well, I got to be honest. I hate those shows. (laughs) And I don't hate them because of the host. I hate them because I have a real hard time with the idea that I have no say in a decision that big, that it's all complete chance. I don't like that. It's, maybe it's because I'm a guy. Maybe it's because I'm a Utahan. I don't know. I don't like the idea that I'm about to open up a door that could change the rest of my life, but I have absolutely no say in it. It's all chance. Um, well, today, I want to kind of lead you in through a story in the Old Testament where a man named Joshua, at the end of his life, he gives some folks a choice. Now, 
The difference between the choice that he's asking them to make and let's make a deal is it's not a mystery what's behind the door. In fact, he tells them in advance, this is what is behind the choice you're about to make. And as you know, we're here, we're the second Sunday of a new year. Um, I like, as much as some people hate New Year's resolutions, I like any opportunity to leverage a new beginning. Any opportunity we need to, to, to recalibrate, to review what we've believed and what we've been doing, and to maybe make a decision to do something different if we need to. And so I wanted to take this opportunity to lead us through a choice that, that Joshua 2,000 years ago asked his people to make, a decision that is still being made today. Now, doors are really, really clunky, so I asked Patrick to find me three different chairs. I didn't any of those chairs because I didn't want you to assume that because you're sitting in those chairs that you're sitting in these chairs. So he found me three chairs, and I love this. Um, the camping chair is pretty radical, but this one right here, I mean, let's just do this for a sec. Whose office is this from? This is pretty, this is a pretty incredible chair right here, okay? So we don't have doors, but we're going to talk about these decisions that they get to make, okay? Um, now, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading this story from the very last chapter of the book of Joshua. You might not know it from just the address, but you probably are kind of familiar with this story. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. I'm going to throw it on the Sky Bible behind me. It's just always good to have an idea of where something is in your Bible. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Joshua chapter 24. It's the sixth book in your Bible. It's the last chapter of that book. And let me give you some context. So Joshua is that, that hero soldier general that kind of took over for Moses and he's old now. He's already led the Israelites into the promised land. They've already saw God do supernatural things. They've watched God just absolutely do everything he promised to do. But now his life is coming to an end and he has one more sermon, one more decision for the people. This is the kind of the part of the story where you may have heard that phrase like, be strong and courageous for God is with you. That's this part of the story. Joshua essentially tells him, he says, God has been fighting for you, but there's a problem. He's coming. He said, I'm about to die. But some of the other fake gods are still being worshipped here in this land among our people. And he's not okay with it. He tells them, he says, you need to diligently Watch yourselves and love the Lord your God. And then before he, he gets to his, his, his asking them to make a decision, he reminds them about what God has done. He said, you, you remember the promises that God made to Abraham and then to Isaac and to Jacob and how God was faithful up to this point for those promises. He says, remember when God supernaturally rescued our people from Egypt how he led us to the Red Sea and then he supernaturally split the Red Sea and we walked across on dry land. Remember that God did that. He says, remember that when we finally entered into the promised land, God showed himself just systematically stronger than every other God of the land. He says, guys, Yahweh or God has been fighting for us all the way. But now we get to the chairs. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, he says this. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods, of your an the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So he essentially says, 
you have a choice before you. I'll call that chair number one. So this is chair number one. He says, I've demonstrated to you what it means to trust the Lord through difficult things. But he doesn't make them make this decision. In fact, in the next verse, he says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. So you say, make no mistake. His life is coming to an end. Final sermon, he says this, the choice is yours. Now, I'm going to intentionally get this out of order, so it's okay. Let's say this is chair number three. Don't worry about chair two. We'll get there in a sec. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then make the decision. Walk through the door. You don't have to serve him. You didn't hear that. You didn't expect to hear that in church today, did you? Somebody on stage being like, you don't have to serve God. You don't have to love him either. Here's the deal. That is a choice you get to make. But see, unlike let's make a deal, Joshua actually spends much of his message explaining the consequences of choosing this door, this chair. He says, guys, our God has shown himself so powerfully on your behalf But if you decide that he is not the God you want to follow and you want to fall to somebody else, I will let, God will let that, that God be faithful to you. He will, he will see if that God can keep his promises. If Yahweh has not shown himself good to you, but you think another God will, he said, then today dedicate yourself to that other God and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Now, spoiler alert, those gods aren't real and it's not a good choice. But the truth is, it's a decision that we make, okay? The question that that Joshua is asking him is he's saying, look, guys, this is a turning point. Choose for yourselves where you think you're going to find life. Where do you think you're going to find life? He said, I know where I'm going to find life. In fact, he says this at the second half of of verse 15. He says, but as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord, The decision for him has already been made. We're going to serve the Lord, but he can't make that decision for them. Now I want to pause Joshua's story. We'll get right back to it, but I want to fast forward to the time of Jesus because during Jesus's time, the prevailing threat may not have been false gods like it was during Joshua's time. During Joshua's time, people were, their hearts were being drawn towards these fake gods, the Molech and Baal and Asherah and all these gods. Now in Jesus's time, I don't think people were being drawn by that. But they, they, they had a threat to where they were going for life nonetheless. And people were still making a decision where they decided where they were going to go and find life. In fact, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus kind of points out one of those things making promises to the people. Luke chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says this, No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, essentially what Jesus is saying to the people then is he's saying, you are trusting something that is going to be your life, that is going to give you life. It's going to be your provider. It's going to be the thing that gives you peace and worth. It's going to be the thing that delivers you and gives you provision. 
And he points out the most common one in his time. He said, many people look to money to be this thing. And of all the things that we could follow, there's a lot of imposters out there. And Jesus warns them that there are going to be things that are going to try and steal away your life. In fact, one of his most famous statements was from John chapter 10, verse 10, where he says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, Jesus, he knows where he stands. He knows where he sits and what door, what decision he's made. Because he knows that there's a lot of things that are pulling after our hearts and telling us where we can find life. So let's bring it home real quick. I'm going to ask you a question. No judgment. No judgment. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not going to split the room into three chairs, okay? You're safe. This is just for you and your own mind. I want to explain to you what these chairs could mean for us today. And I just want you to ask yourself the question, what chair am I sitting in right now? Okay, for whatever reason, you're here. And I think all three of these chairs or these commitment levels exist within Jesus's church. Let's let's take this one. Chair number one, I like to say is this. It means I've chosen God. I've chosen God. I'm not going to quantify it. It just means in whatever way you know how, you say, I believe that life is found in Jesus Christ. That's that's where I think life is found. In in essence, when you make the commitment and you say, I know my decision, you're saying, I believe that God knows what's best for me. I believe that God is good. And I believe that he has good for me. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean you won't fail. It doesn't mean you're not going to suffer and have trials. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means... You have taken a position and a commitment and you're saying, I believe that God is who he says he is, and I'm going to learn how to trust him. Now, sitting in chair number one does not mean that you have earned God's love or by sitting in the chair, you are somehow going to earn his love. No, God already loves you. He already loves you fully. In fact, in, in our time right now, Jesus has already died for every sin, failure you could ever commit. And yet, even though he knows every skeleton in your closet, he's still inviting us to sit in this chair. See, it's, it's in chair number one where we learn that God is not some cosmic, indifferent deity somewhere off. But it's in chair number one that we realize that God is actually a very personal God. And God has actually knows everything about me and he's invited me to know him. God knows my struggles. He knows my history. He knows my life. And one thing I love about, you know, something like New Year's where we have an opportunity to say, where do I sit? Is that decision also affects things like your family church. You know, some of you, you're new here. Some of you are visiting here. Some of you, you are at Mountain View Fellowship and you've been here for years. But can I tell you something just from, I've been following Jesus since 2004. One thing I can tell you without question, there's a lot of things I go, ish. But this one I can tell you without question, your faith needs friends and your, your faith needs a church. And one thing I love about taking a moment to say, I'm committed to be in chair number one means I have, I am choosing to trust God. I'm choosing God is you can also use that to choose your church. You know, when you, when you take a seat in chair one, especially when you, you say, you know what, I'm not on the fence anymore. This is my home church. You stop saying things like, oh, what are they doing over at MVF Church? 
or what's happening over at Shane's church. You start to say things like, who's plowing at my church this morning? (laughs) What's happening in our church today? Because it starts to be yours. You know, Jesus is main, his, 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 he summed up the entire law into two commandments that were equally as important. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Your faith needs friends, and your church needs you. So one way this can kind of come to life is just by be, joining the church family and saying, I am here to serve and be served because this is my church family. I give financially because I want to be part of the mission of this church. It's not somebody else's mission. It's I'm part of this. I, I, I'm part of a small group because I want to be known by others. Okay, I'll get off my box. I'll get out of my chair. Let's jump over to, to chair number three. I'd say chair number three today could mean I've chosen me. I know that sounds really bad. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, well, I feel selfish today. That's probably who I am. Here's the deal. Every single one of us is or has sat in chair number three. You were born with a, a bent to sit in chair number three. It's just, it's just the reality. But I would be willing to bet there are some people who are sitting in chair number three because they once sat in chair number one. And they got hurt. They got betrayed. They got used. I mean, I, you guys, we're a church in Utah. We are, the, we are the capital of church hurt. And the truth is a lot of people are sitting in chair number three, and they're still part, they still want to hear what God has to say. They still want to, they're still drawn towards Jesus. But at the end of the day, they say, but I've been there and I've done that. And I have the scars to prove it. And from now on, I'm choosing me. I'm going to look out for number one because I'm not sure who else will. See, to, to sit in chair number three does not mean you're an atheist or an agnostic. It doesn't mean you're declaring war on God. It just means that you have probably learned through experience that you need to take care of number one. But for whatever reason, you're here. Maybe you're here because, like I said, you're being drawn towards Jesus. Maybe you're here because your spouse is being drawn towards Jesus and you love them enough to come here. Maybe you're here because you're curious. You're just curious and, you, and you're, you're investigating. Now, if you look at, at Joshua's last sermon, you might just think there's two, there's two options. You're either with God or you're against God. I just don't think it's that simple. I think there's a second option, and this is where I get to sit in the great chair. I think there's a, a, the second option, and I think it's this. I've chosen God-ish. You guys know what ish means, right? It's a Utah swear word, but outside of Utah, ish, ish means like, did you go to the gym today? Ish. That means I ate an apple and walked upstairs, right? That's what ish means. It means, eh, kind of. And I think there's an ish with this decision. See, let me jump back to the story. After Joshua says, hey, love the Lord your God. But if you decide today that, you're not, that he's not the one you want to follow, then follow someone else. Look at how they responded in verse 16. The people replied, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. Exclamation point. I can't yell it because this Mike will give feedback, but exclamation point, okay? Now, you'd be thinking, well, Mike, isn't that chair number one? I wish it was. The problem with the Bible is it's, it's not a choose-your-own-adventure, and I know what happens. See, this is the last chapter, some of the last verses of, of, of the book of Joshua. But after the book of Joshua, chronologically and in your Bibles, is a book called Judges. 
And Judges is a really hard book to read. Because in Judges, those people who said, we will never, ever turn our backs on God, they turn their backs on God over and over again. And they do this cycle, this cycle that you see through Judges, and it'll drive you nuts, where they, they say, we're going to follow Yahweh. And Yahweh, Yahweh, the, the, their God, the God of Israel, he brings peace to them. And then they get complacent and they, their hearts start getting drawn after these other gods, Molech and Ashereth and Baal. And they start following those gods. And God is good to his promise. He says, if you don't want to follow me, I will let them be your God. But you know what happened? When they hit trial, when they hit struggle, when, they're, when they were attacked, God said, where are your gods? <laughs> because they're not real. The things that they trusted and the things they went to for life wouldn't give them life. And so they would come back to Yahweh and they would say, forgive us. And he is a good God who forgives and he would forgive them. And then they would follow him and then they would get complacent again. And then they would go after the other gods and then they would find themselves in trouble. Then they would turn back to Yahweh and he would forgive them because he's a good God who promises to forgive. And they just kept doing that over and over and over again. That's why I say there is a middle chair. It's I choose God ish. And the thing about this chair is it's like you're saying, I'm committed to God until that commitment becomes inconvenient. It's like you're saying, God knows what is best for me and my family until he doesn't, until I know better. It's saying, God, I choose to follow you, but I also have other options and backup plans. That's why I like to think of, of, of chair two, of, of, of I choose God-ish. I, I, I like to think of this as the religion chair. Because religion in general is saying, God, I will follow you if you are good to me. But when trial comes, when suffering comes, we say, God, I served, I gave tithes, I prayed. Why weren't you there to change all of my circumstances? That's why I call it the religious chair is, is we don't look in chair number two, we don't look at God as, a, as an actual personal relational being that wants to know us and wants us to trust him no matter what we go through. We, instead, we start to look at God as, I'll do my part, but then you need to do your part. And if God doesn't do his part in our own eyes, we're going to go somewhere else for life. See, when we sit in chair two, we're essentially saying, I'm committed to God, but it's going to be on my own terms. Now, Jesus, he has an encounter with this, a man who perfectly kind of exemplifies this chair. See, this was a young Jewish boy, and he came to Jesus, who was the rabbi. And he said, Jesus, I, I see that you're wise. Will you tell me what I need to do to find eternal life? How do I get to heaven? And Jesus gave him the answer he was supposed to give as a rabbi to a young Jewish boy. He says, what does the law say? And he says, I, I obey the law. And Jesus says these words to him. This is from Luke chapter 18, verse 22 through 23. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. This young man came to Jesus 
And he had a lot of options. He was wealthy. He had possessions. He probably had property. There's the only time in the Gospels that it's recorded where Jesus tells someone to give away all their wealth. That's not normal for him. But he recognized something about this guy. He said, this guy, I want him to follow me. Do you hear that invitation? He said, go get rid of that stuff. Give it to someone else and then come and follow me. He wanted him to be a disciple. But he didn't want him to be a disciple in chair number two. See, he, he saw something about this guy. He recognized that this guy wanted to be with Jesus. But he also knew that when things got hard, he had other options. When Jesus decided to, to go somewhere difficult or go somewhere dangerous, this guy knew that he had resources that he didn't have to go with him. It was up to him. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, it means you have nothing else in your life that is going to stop you from going where I go. Where I go, you can go with me. But that means staying with me no matter what happens. Folks, it's in chair number one, when we make that commitment, that we start to see God for who he wants us to see him as. You know, when Joshua was telling the Israelites about all that God had done, when he was telling them about these supernatural ways that God had shown up, he was inviting them to, to be part of what God was still going to do in the future. Imagine with me if they got to the edge of the Red Sea and they've got this huge, huge Egyptian army coming behind them. And they said, God, what do you want us to do? And God, and then the, the army just stopped and turned around. And they went, oh, I guess they stopped chasing us. I guess it's over. They wouldn't have had that story of remembering that time that God showed up. They wouldn't have that story. Remember when we were in that circumstance and we had nowhere to turn and then God split the seas. When they were walking through the wilderness and they had nothing to eat, rather than returning back to Egypt, God rained down food, manna from heaven. For the rest of their lives and the, the people who come after them, they get to remember that when we stuck it out and we didn't return to Egypt, we got to see the supernatural provision of God. See, God doesn't just want us to follow him when things are going pleasant. He wants to show us that no matter what we go through, no matter what life throws at us, he is still where we go to for life. So let me go full circle on this. Choose, for this, for, choose this day whom you will serve. Like I said, this is new year. I'm not going to say new you. I'm just going to say new year. <laughs> and if you're like me, you can take an opportunity to say, let's remember who we are. Let's remember the commitments we've made. Commitments, folks, are important to us. That's why when you get married, you stand at an altar before witnesses and you make a promise. Because a promise says, when things get hard, like in sickness, I'm still yours. When things get difficult, like in richer or for poorer, I'm still yours. And as a follower of Jesus, I think it's really important that we re-up every once in a while and remember the commitment that we have made. And there's no judgment here. I'm not telling you what seat to sit in. I just want you to go into 2024 with full knowledge of the seat you have chosen. Don't go in blind. Go with your eyes wide open so you at least know what your, what your relationship with God is. And so I encourage you just to recognize where you're at today. If you're in chair number one, if you already know, Mike, we have decided. We decide every morning. This isn't something I have to do at the new year like you. If you're in chair number one, here's what I would just say. 
choose to recommit. 2024, choose to recommit and say, the same commitment we've been having, we're going to have it. We're going to follow Jesus no matter what. We're going to be part of Jesus's church no matter what. The decision's been made. As for me and my house, I would just say, recommit. Make sure that 2024 is another year where you get to lean on the goodness of God. Like I said, and I'll say it again, it doesn't mean you don't suffer. It doesn't mean we don't have trials and temptations. It means that the God of the universe will never leave nor forsake us. And I really do believe that in chair number one, we get to experience a God who can give a peace that doesn't make sense. He can provide in ways that don't make sense anywhere else. I think chair number one is where we get to see God be God. If you find yourself here and you know that choosing God has been hard for you in the past, I would just ask if you find yourself in chair number two, maybe you've had a religious relationship with God and not a relationship. Maybe you've been looking to him to accomplish something because of what have you've done. And maybe today's the day you go, I'm not coming to you for anything. I'm just coming to you for you. Maybe you just commit. Maybe I would just say, maybe 2024 is the year where you say, I'm not going to just be a fair weather follower. I'm with you no matter what. I'm going to go to you for life this year. I'm going to go to you for life. And if you're in chair number three, once again, no judgment. I lived in chair number three for a long time. And many of you did too. If you're in chair number three, I would just do this. Con choose to consider. Choose to consider that maybe, maybe the ones who wounded you, that wasn't God. Maybe the God of the universe is inviting you into a new kind of relationship. Maybe. And I would just say, if you know you're in chair number three, maybe, the, maybe you just choose 2024. Be open to consideration that maybe God is more than you think. Can I tell you something? When all of us were in chair number three, when all of us were saying, I choose me, God died for you. He knew your whole life already. He knew when you were going to be good. He knew when you were going to be you. <laughs> he knew when you were going to trust him and when you were going to trust yourself. He knew every sin, every perverse thought. He knew every skeleton in your closet. And he said he invited you to trust him in spite of all that stuff. Because he said, my son Jesus has already paid for everything you've ever done. I would just say, if you're in chair number three, just choose to consider that maybe Jesus has more for you than you think. Can I tell you something? And I believe this with all my heart. I believe that God loves you and he's inviting you into a relationship with him. You can trust him. He is good. He is so, so good. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And he just wants to reveal it to you. And I really believe that. Let me close with this. Because we're a very individualistic culture, the chair you choose will impact more than you. And I think it's important. If you're a parent in here, this is really important to hear. The chair you choose will impact more than you. I know that sometimes we, we say that faith is personal. It is personal, but it's not private. And, and what we choose, especially as parents, will 
our kids will feel the impact of it. See, my dad, when I was very little, he chose a chair. He chose this one. He was remarkably wounded by a church. His faith in religion was so broken. And he's, he made a commitment to his family. I'm going to look out for, for myself and my family. And one day somebody told him about a Jesus that he didn't recognize. And my dad got curious and he shifted over here. And he said, you know what? Maybe the Jesus that I was wounded or the church I was wounded by is not the Jesus of the Bible. And he started just being curious. He said, God, it's still on my terms. You don't have me, but I'm interested in what you have to say. And when I was young, my dad met Jesus and Jesus became everything he was looking for. And he totally turned his life over to Jesus. And he raised me in a church where my dad made the decision for our family. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He knew that one day we would have to make that decision on our own. But he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Drug us to church three times a week, <laughs> resented him for it for years. And then when I became old enough, you know what chair I chose? I chose that one over there. Then a few years later, a friend of mine in the Navy introduced me to Jesus of the Bible. And I chose to follow Jesus and something happened. And here's what I want you to hear. I didn't start from ground zero. You know, all of those years where my dad made the decision for our family, all of these seeds were being planted by Sunday school teachers and youth pastors and pastors and friends and Bible studies. All of these seeds are being planted in my life. That when I was in my early 20s and I started following Jesus, something happened. The water of God just watered that soil and those seeds that were laying dormant that were planted years before started coming to life. And I started knowing and, and, and growing in truth that was planted years before because my dad made this decision. Folks, the decision, the chair you choose will impact more than you, so it's an important decision. And it's okay to say, Mike, I am being honest. I cannot choose chair number one right now. That is fine. Just be honest with yourself and wrestle with the Lord. But it matters. It matters, and you need to have your eyes wide open. Where are you going for life? Where are you going for life? I believe that Jesus is everything he says he is. And if you'd be willing to let him be God in your life, I think you'd be blown away by what he has in store for you. But it starts by just saying, God, I am yours. I am yours. No matter where you go, I will follow. Will you please pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for the, the, the opportunity you have given us to choose. Father, I thank you that you are greater than anything else in this life that's promising to give us this true life. Now, I pray for everybody in here, no matter what chair they find themselves sitting in, I just pray they would sit in it honestly. And I pray that maybe you would draw them in towards who you really are and away from whatever else is making promises. Father, I thank you that because of what you did on that cross and when you rose from that grave, you have given us an invitation to experience life with you. Father, we want that life. 
Lord, we are so grateful for what you have done and continue to do. I pray that today we would just choose. Choose once again. That we choose you. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you enjoyed this teaching, we would love to have you join us for a live gathering. We are located at 271 North, 600 West in Heber City, Utah. If you need more information about us, including our gathering times or previous teachings, you can find all that at mvfchurch.com. And make sure you follow us on social media too. See you next time.